You're listening to the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast with Joris Brion. Hey, this is Joris of the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast. And today I'm really excited to talk to Arnaud Hellemans. Arnaud, he's a world-class digital marketing consultant. And he started his digital marketing career many years ago with search engine optimization, search engine advertising. And later on, he added zero to his specialties as well. And on top of that, he's a real Google Analytics ninja. Um, well, he's helped all kinds of companies um, over those, those years, and he helped them to grow their online business, uh, often with really creative strategies and, and interesting hacks. And at the moment, he's working for companies like uh, Sitley and Royal Bank of Scotland, um, and he's a popular speaker on digital marketing conferences. And to be honest, um, I've known Arnold for uh, quite a few years now, and he's one of the smartest digital marketeers I've personally met. So um, I'm sure this is going to be a super interesting episode. Arnold, welcome to the podcast. Really happy to uh, have you here. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for having me, Yours. Very, very, uh, very pleased uh, you asked me and uh, uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, cool. Uh, maybe just to start, um, I'd, I'd love for you to tell everybody a bit about your background, where did you come from in your career, um, and, and how did you get to this point? Um, well, basically, uh, my background lays in telecoms. This is where I learned regular expressions and databases and that kind of stuff. Um, and then I was asked on a big startup. Um, we wasted uh, millions. Uh, I wouldn't say wasted, but we spent millions. Um, and it was great learning money. This was back in 2006, 2007. Um, uh, but due to the financial crisis, it, uh, the, uh, the, the plug was pulled. So, um, But that uh, company, which was called Movic, got me interested in SEO and SEA because agencies were doing it. And... Um, and I started reading about SEO on the uh, SEO Moz blog, which is now just Moz, but it used to be SEO Moz. Um, I started just implementing stuff and it worked. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I rolled into it. And then I uh, got a hernia. So I was unfit to work for about two years, which was ouch. But um, it gave me plenty of time to read. So I read an awful lot of blogs, an awful lot of things, and I started implementing that. And um, and when I um, basically grew, one of my clients sorry, at that moment started working on uh, basically tenfolded in a year, I was like, oh, I might be onto something. Um, and that's when I started my own, um, own consulting business. So that was back in 2009, I think. So about 10 years ago now. Um, and I've been working for big and small companies alike. Um, what I like about big companies is that the impact you can have uh, is can be enormous. What I like about small companies is that it's way easier to get stuff done. Mm -hmm. So I like the combination. Um, as you said, I'm currently at RBS, the Royal Bank of Scotland. Um, uh, previously I did lease plan, Achmea, those are like big financial and, and insurers in the Netherlands. I also worked for big web shops, um, with loads of products. I just did a training this morning, um, a web shop in, um, in basically motorcycle parts, uh, in, uh, six countries. Um, 
enormous amount of products. Like they got a hundred thousand SKUs per web shop, um, and they've got nine of them. So um, yeah, interesting. I like those kind of challenges. Yeah. So, cool. um, and it basically brought me here. Um, yeah. If you ask me how I made the move from SEO and SEA into CRO was because SEO and SEA were becoming too simple. It was just about links, links, links. And the other one was just if you set up the campaign correctly, you're pretty much good to go. So I got a bit bored. Um, so I got more into analytics uh, and more into CRO. This was where the, uh, basically it was the conference we first met mm-hmm. in uh, Estonia. That's where I basically uh, got into CRO. And now I basically tell people I optimize. I just optimize websites, stuff, everything. And I love doing it. Yeah, cool. But you still have a lot of experience in SEO. And uh, and, and I love talking to you about SEO because I, I always learn a bunch. Uh, and I know a lot of people and most of our listeners are e-commerce owners. Uh, they, they, they struggle with, um, with SEO for e-commerce. What would you say is, is the best way to do SEO for the e-commerce side? Ooh, um, well, there's no such way as doing SEO for an e-commerce site. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, SEO is a mix. So it has to do with usability. So I, with SEO, there's three pillars. One is the technical part, uh, mm-hmm. which in a lot of cases has not properly been taken care of. So this means canonicalization, which means duplicate content, uh, shallow content, um, um, crawl deficiencies, internal 301s, like all of that, which is the technical part. Then the second part is your on-page content. This has to do with product descriptions, um, uh, images, uh, all those kind of things, so content-wise. And then there's the third part one, which is popularity, a.k.a. links, mm-hmm. uh, branding links, that kind of stuff. Um, so the way I see it, those are three different pillars, um, and they all need to work together to get the right mix. So for some companies, the, 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 what prevents them from ranking is the fact that even though they have, say, 10,000 products, they've got 200,000 pages in the index because of crawl problems. So Google doesn't know which one to rank. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas other web shops... Um, might have all of that covered, but they don't. They lack the authority uh, uh, on those topics slash links. They don't have links, uh, so they they that prevents them from ranking. And a third one doesn't have their page titles filled, um, and every page title is just a band name, and they don't rank either. So um, I always tell people um, if you want to talk about SEO, there's there's two words that you can use in the start of any answer on SEO, and it's, it depends. Mm-hmm. So I can't say. Um, I, I can just say that what I see happening a lot is the technical difficulties, uh, which means like, um, uh, just do a simple search for all the listeners out there. You do mm-hmm. an in URL, which is I-N and then URL, uh, semicolon and then your site name. So basically your domain name. Um, and look at how many results they actually return. And then look at like how many pages does my site actually have? 
Um, if if it's around the same, you're perfectly fine. If it's like three, four, five times as much, you have a huge problem there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, uh, I can't say uh, uh, what is the bigger uh, bigger thing, but mm -hmm. those are pointers to go to. Um, uh, as I said, uh, uh, you you need to get a. a a proper SEO person to do an audit if you suspect it's not working as planned. And then that person should look at all these three big aspects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you could make sense. Of course, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and they all work together. And, and if you have the technical stuff covered, then you can look at the on page uh, stuff and, and the authority. But um, it really depends uh, if you have that covered, or if you, if your on-page sucks, or if the authority sucks. So every every case is different. Um, yeah, exactly, way, exactly. Yeah, one way I know that a lot of e-commerce companies try to rank in in in, in search results is is by creating a blog, um, and and they sometimes only create it for SEO purposes. Um, what's your take on that? Is that a good idea? Um, Oh, uh, here we go. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, no, but, uh, but but to be fair, um, people that do blog dot uh, so as a subdomain mm -hmm. don't even bother because okay, you're basically well, you're basically creating a new web page, mm -hmm. a, a new domain. A subdomain is being uh, in Google is being treated as a separate domain, not part of the same. And Google is trying to solve this. Um, and they say they solved it, but uh, I've seen hugely different different things. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it, it's that. It, I think I think that is my main uh, main thing. However, if a blog is set up in a correct way, um, so as a subdomain, uh, not subdomain, subfolder, mm -hmm. um, uh, through a reverse proxy, uh, there's loads of ways of doing it. Um, and, and then the blog writes about, say, um, topical relevancy. So, so things like uh, the 2019 uh, living room trends. Um, if you do proper research into that and you're not trying to sell, but basically become the authority in that, then, or you do proper research and say, uh, do research in New York and, and California and, or in New York and LA and see the differences in trends there um, and basically use that on the blog and you use that in outreach and PR. Uh, and, and you do it on a subfolder, it's awesome because you, you might be able to pick up links from, from big news outlets. Um, mm. And then that helps all the products you're talking about uh, in that blog post of the newest trends uh, to rank. Mm -hmm. If you're selling, uh, say, furniture or, um, or basically things from the living room and, uh, and stuff. So um, it depends. Um, don't Purely do it for SEO perspectives. Do it for to become the authority. And mm -hmm. a big thing here is don't just chunk out content. Um, write something you're proud of. I think that's the way forward. Yeah. So better have one blog post every two weeks than one every day, but one really good one every two weeks uh, that is really relevant. Definitely. And that you can get links Definitely. Like, yeah. 
Definitely. And use the simple way of uh, uh, doing an, an interview. Mm-hmm. Say, uh, say you sell to, uh, uh, you do high-end gardening, for instance, hardening gar- gardening plants or whatever. And you know that there's a few people out there, like uh, um, celebrities, that uh, have used it, uh, have used it or whatever. And you just reach out to them and say, can I do an interview with how you uh, came to use our plants in your garden or whatever? Um, there's so many ways of doing this and 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 building something that uh, that you can use uh, to rank. But don't don't do another one on uh, um, an, another uh, uh, blatant product review that they can read anywhere else. If you yeah. do a proper one like product uh, product comparison, it, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like if you have say if you you sell. Five um, five brands of blenders uh, or, or kitchen appliances. You you, you use them uh, against each other. You give all the proper pros and cons. You you create video content around it and just create one page comparing the three most compared products. Boom! There you go. That mm. will rank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it, it, um, but but I think the biggest rule is. Do you want to give it to a friend to read? If, if you then say no, then you shouldn't publish it. I love that rule, yeah, because there's so much rubbish, rubbish out there, uh, especially if you're just going to, to and, rank. Yeah. And uh, I think if you go to Search Console and um, what you see there is excluded or crawled, not indexed. Mm-hmm. Um, um, if a lot of your blog posts are crawled, not indexed, basically Google tells you, like, yeah, I've been there, but I don't think it's worth indexing, at least mm. not at the moment. Okay. Um, so there's loads of little signals. And um, imagine this. Um, uh, there's a great piece, and I think we can put it in the show notes. It's about the hidden costs or 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 the environmental cost of JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we build websites, we tend... There, the latest trends is that we use a lot of JavaScript to do all fancy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when when Googlebot crawls, uh, it doesn't immediately index or renders it. So it crawls it. It looks at the plain HTML, so none, uh, no JavaScript involved. Um, if your page at that level, um, it, all the content is being done through JavaScript, you have a problem because Google can hardly figure out what the page is on. It mm-hmm. still needs to render the whole page. Um, but the rendering of a page, I don't know if you ever noticed, you go to a website and your phone gets a little hot. Um, mm-hmm. Or when I do a crawl with JavaScript on using a tool like Screaming Frog or Sidebolt, um, my processors go bananas and it literally heats up my, my whole laptop. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the cost. So if you create a page that Google can't easily figure out what it's about, it, you better have a really, really good website because it otherwise it needs to render all the pages, which take enormous resources if you want to do it on a world scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so make it easy. Make make it easy for Google. Uh, I, I guess that's also a big part of in here. Yeah, what I like. Typical SEO mistakes that you see your clients make often? 
Um, I think one of the biggest ones is canonicalization. Can you explain that? A okay. Bit? Yeah, yeah. So basically, what happens is um, the simplest version is you you go to a shoe shop. Um, so let's say shoes.com. I, mm -hmm. I don't know the brand, but whatever. Shoes.com slash sneakers. And then I can I can sort stuff there. So I can basically say, let's do all the blue and the brown ones. So then it's question mark, filter, color, uh, brown and blue. Mm -hmm. um, that generates a new URL, uh, which is not slash sneakers. It's, it's slash sneakers, question mark, uh, 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 sort or filter uh, blue uh, uh, minus brown. Mm -hmm. um, that page uh, and, and, and so forth. If I then say sort by price, it says question mark. So you basically create an enormous amount of pages by filtering. And if you do that, you, get, you create an enormous amount of pages that Google needs to crawl. Whereas in all essence, what you only want is to have the sneaker page, mm -hmm. or you could have a brown sneaker page, but in this case, just a sneaker page. So then you should put a canonical in that uh, sorted page that says, if you encounter this page, you actually want to rank the slash sneakers page. That is a, what a canonical does. A canonical basically says, instead of ranking this page where the canonical is in, I'll point you to the one you should put in the index. Yeah, that, Does that's, that make uh, sense? Yeah, and it's a, a pretty straightforward fix, I guess, because instead of having hundreds of variations of one particular page, you're telling Google, like, hey, uh, ignore all these other ones, just go to this one. That's the one. Uh, that's, the, that's the main one. That's the important one. Um, I, I know there's sometimes like um, a debate about SEO versus zero. Um, people are sometimes afraid that some tests that they are running may affect their rankings, uh, for instance. Um, what, what's your take on that? Um, well, if you're talking about testing, um, uh, it, yes, um, I can see where that comes from. Um, I don't think any of the tool providers will actually uh, admit that there will ever be a problem. Mm -hmm. But um, I noticed something with one of my clients where, um, so you have two pages, say uh, 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 the normal landing page and a version, and then you use an A-B testing tool to show the version. Um, Googlebot has been updated to run the latest version of Chrome. Um, so, and uh, this tool, uh, basically in their documentation, they say, um, we don't make any exceptions, whether it's Googlebot or a user, we're just gonna, uh, so we don't exclude Googlebot from serving different content because that will be seen as cloaking. And mm -hmm. cloaking is when you show a search engine something else than you show the user. Mm -hmm. However, what happened with us was, um, our, uh, say, uh, B page, so not the original, but the, the B version, uh, we put a no index on there because mm -hmm. you don't want the B version to be indexed. However, what happened was Googlebot requested the A, a version, just a normal crawl, but was served the source code of the B page, which included the no index. Mm -hmm. So what happened is it was thrown out of the index. Okay. 
So in is, it, is there a way a, a way to work around that? Yes. Um, if you're gonna, so what I always would do is exclude uh, uh, Googlebot and Bingbot and all the other search engine bots from these tests. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the best one. If you can't or don't want to do that, what I should what you should always do is have on the B version an, a canonical uh, pointing to the A version, so mm-hmm. that even if the the B version is indexed. Uh, you also you you will still rank the A version. Mm-hmm. Makes and sense. That's all, yeah, um, absolutely. We we do it like that. For instance, whenever we uh, work with a spit URL test, um, but we we add a canonical. But what happened? It, it, is it? This, it's probably not the same. I guess uh, when you have an A/B testing tool and you use the editor of the A/B testing tool to to manipulate some elements on the page, like. Uh, hiding some elements, removing elements, um, putting them on, on, on another place. Um, I'm guessing that's not that much of an SEO issue then, is it? Um, well, that depends on how Googlebot renders the page. Mm-hmm. So if you don't exclude them from that and you remove, say, uh, uh, the page title or you change the page title um, and Googlebot gets, uh, see, gets shown the rendered uh, a new version, uh, then it might. Um, however, if you prevent Googlebot from from being in the test group, it shouldn't matter. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually the easiest uh, fix, right? Um, yeah. One other one other thing I, um, I was wondering, and um, you already touched upon that briefly. Links. I mean, um, a few years ago, everyone was saying link building is dead. Links don't matter anymore. And and, and I never really believed that. Uh, I, in my eyes, it was like people who wanted to believe they wanted to believe it because they, then they could give up on their like lazy, mind-numbing link building activities they were doing. Um, but uh, what, what, what's your take on that? How important are links nowadays for your SEO? They're they're still very important. Um, but as I I said in the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. It's three pillars. Um, mm-hmm. So if if two of those if one of those pillars is not working, you can throw as many links at it as you want, but it won't rank. Right. Um, so uh, so again, it depends. However, um, and it also depends on the country. Like um, in Norway, in 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 Sweden, in Finland, in uh, in the Netherlands, even. Um, uh, you can try and get like high authoritative links, um, but getting two high authoritative links uh, or getting ten relatively shitty links, the ten will still rank you. Okay. Um, uh, better than the two really good ones. Um, it, it's a different story in bigger uh, countries uh, like uh, the UK or the US. In the US, you basically want to have these relative authoritative links. Um, uh, Google did quite a few crackdowns on, on link networks and directories and all kinds, all that kind of stuff. But, um, but, but getting local press coverage or uh, international press coverage or national press coverage, like those are really important ones. Mm. Yeah. So I think, I think it's, it's still very important. Um, but again, uh, those two words uh, matter the most. It depends. Yeah, true. <laughs> but they're they're definitely not worthless. Mm-hmm. When it when it comes to digital marketing in general, I know you have like a really uh, 
common sense and no nonsense, no bullshit approach. Um, and uh, you often talk about the basics, like people don't even have, yeah, have covered the basics, right? Um, like like page bit, the speed. Um, can you expand yep. a little bit on that? What, what in your opinion, are uh, basics and and uh, like like page speed? Um, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I think uh, the biggest one to take into account is um, uh, is page speed. So it's load speed. People basically think that load speed is about big images and that kind of stuff. But I think JavaScript and uh, loads of other things are equally as important or even more important. So um, if you want to, uh, there, there's, I think we can leave stuff in the show notes, can't we? Yeah, sure. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think a, a very cool one here is that um, Google built a report on all their Chrome users and it's called Crux. Um, mm-hmm. So you can Google it on Crux, C-R-U-X report. And what Google has done is for all the people running Chrome, they ping back home their load times and times to interactive. Okay. So for any website that is big enough to be in the data set, you can create a benchmark report. So what I usually do is uh, I take um, my client and then their two biggest competitors, and I check them out on how they perform compared to the other two. So uh, so that's one. But if you then want to improve it, there's a few tools that I would, um, would definitely uh, recommend. Um, so a simple one is gtmetrics.com. Uh, mm-hmm. It's free to use. Um, uh, a second one you might want to use is um, Lighthouse. So Google mm-hmm. Lighthouse. Um, fairly simple, straightforward, Google it and you'll be able to use it. Um, and the third one is a crawler uh, that I really like, um, which goes slightly deeper and also looks at how much JavaScript are you loading and executing, but are not needed to actually create the page. Mm-hmm. So it's basically, uh, it basically shows the obesity you have in CSS and JavaScript. Um, right. And the tool is called Sitebulb. Sorry, which one? Um, Sitebulb. Sitebulb. Uh, basically, okay. yeah, in, instead of lightbulb, Sitebulb. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Um, and um, and I think um, when people are start looking at that, it, they can see the enormous potential. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I've worked with uh, with a developer who built uh, an e-commerce platform uh, uh, with 500 kilobytes of code, mm-hmm. a full-blown checkout everything. Wow. Um, and, and that can be done. Um, however, most e-commerce sites are like two, three megs, which is way too big. Yeah. You don't need to have that. Um, and... And I often see, because these people then come to me and say, I want an A-B test. And I tell them, well, if you just fix the basics, you'll probably uh, have a bigger uplift than trying to see which call to action works better. Mm -hmm. True. Because the impact is way bigger than just uh, on-site conversion. It's also about... um, um, how many pages you have in the index, uh, your Google rankings, um, your uh, um, basically all of that will be influenced. Your checkout, if your checkout is way faster, way easier, people 
like it, it makes huge sense. And if you want to benchmark yourself, take a take an Amazon product page and see how that loads versus mm. yours. Yeah. That, yeah, that's that's what you should be aiming at. I, I think like one of the tools uh, we sometimes use as well as is, uh, um, is tester.org. Uh, yeah. Just for one thing, and it is that you can just generate um, a video in, in the seconds that a page loads. So you can actually, because if you look at, at just the data, it's sometimes it's, it's abstract, it's vague, and, and people are like, okay, it, it loads in 11 seconds, which of course is awful. But when it, then they see a video of that page loading in 11 seconds, and they have to wait for actually 11 seconds for that page to load completely, then all of a sudden it becomes real and, and they know they have to work on it because they would never accept that when they go to the site, but for some reason they accept to see that number in their analytics and like, oh, okay. Yeah, exa exactly. Uh, and, and you can do the same if you sign up for GT Metrics. It's free. Mm -hmm. You just log in and then you can tick a video and they will create a video for you. And in Lighthouse, you can also see a film strip so you can mm -hmm. see the elements that it takes uh, and, and why it's working. So especially if you want to talk to developers, because developers usually basically go to come to me and saying, well, it's not this slow on my machine. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, that's the problem, because we are on dark, dark fiber here. Uh, any page is fast. <laughs> sure. Sure. So and, 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 and the other thing is, um, if you start looking at this and creating the impact around this is please first go just and, and, and looking your uh, data in your Google analytics, like what is the, um, what is the difference in devices? So if like 60% of your traffic is mobile, try and loading it on a mobile, it's yeah. vastly slower. Yeah. Especially absolutely. if you're JavaScript heavy. So, sure. so yeah, uh, there's multiple tools to do it. Um, so those are some of the basics. The other one is page titles uh, for your most uh, um, uh, uh, my, your most search for products. Um, internal site search uh, mm -hmm. often not optimized. Um, like there's there's so there's so much. Um, but again, it, it it depends. But these are the basics you wanna you wanna solve mm -hmm. uh, as soon as possible. One of the things I, I, I like about the way you look at digital marketing is that um, you understand the data, you, you, you're really intelligent, uh, you're really good at Google Analytics, um, but yet you often make a case to step away from the data and, and really start thinking about the people. Um, can you expand a little bit on that? Um, yeah, I, I think, I think people, um, people don't really understand data. I think you've been asked these questions a lot is what is a good conversion rate? Yeah, all the you? time. Yeah. All the time. So what's your answer on that? It depends. One that's better than last week. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just always try to be better than, than you were before. No, I, exactly. And um, uh, so so the case I make is, with that is uh, I asked them, would you be happy if you have a shop and 10 people walk in and one buys, would you be okay with that? Mm -hmm. Or uh, imagine 100 people coming into your shop and only five people bought, would you be okay with that? Mm -hmm. um, so I try to humanize the data. 
um, because um, that makes people think about it. And uh, this is not, uh, of course, it's, it's, if you walk into a shop, you feel obliged almost to, to buy something. You feel a bit embarrassed if you just walk out again. Most right. people do. Whereas with the website, you can just click it away and it's done. Mm-hmm. So expect it to always be lower. But um, with these kind of things is if you're if you're in a, a brick and mortar store, you can see people get frustrated. Uh, they can't find it. So you, you walk up to them and say, can I help you? Uh, and they go like, yeah, I'm looking for this. And then you just point in the right direction. On the website, we send people to 404 pages. We, uh, we, we frustrate them in, in the checkout process by not telling them how many characters the password should be or what the validation rules are or whatever. So um, unless we start looking at it as real people, we'll just look at, oh, well, yeah, it only happens like uh, in, in one out of uh, 10. Well, in a real, in a brick and mortar store, you wouldn't be okay with uh, one out of 10 people being frustrated in your store, would mm-hmm. you? So, um, so I want people to look at data, use data, but really understand what they are. They're real people on the mm-hmm. other side. And if you don't understand that, if you don't think like that, it's very, very hard to create that mindset in your company. Right. Everybody just, you, it's customer first. It's, it's how Amazon grew humongously. It, 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 one of the reasons was they put the consumer first. Mm-hmm. And they, didn't, they weren't looking at, at data and numbers. They, they, they used that to build a better experience. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it should be. So ex- always try to to use an analogy and to explain it in a real proper store. So what's happening? People uh, uh, basically don't finish the checkout. It's like them being at the basically at the counter, almost willing to pay and then turn around. They shouldn't. That should yeah. never happen. That's right. There you go. So I think... I think those are some some real life uh, real life examples on how to look at that. The other uh-huh. thing is that I see loads of people um, uh, reporting on ranking rankings, so search okay. engine rankings, SEO rankings. Um, yeah. Google just did a big update, uh, the medic update. Um, so some some companies I know uh, were hit. Um, they reached out, talked to uh, to them, and um, so one of the questions I asked them was: um, th- So this was a company selling uh, prescription and non-prescription medicine online, mm-hmm. um, and I asked them like, uh, "Did your revenue take a hit?" They they literally lost sixty uh, percent of traffic uh, pretty much overnight. Um, and I asked them, did your revenue take a hit? And they said, no, the revenue went up with 20%. Okay. So what's the so problem then? There, there, there wasn't a problem. However, right. they, he, he was reporting on traffic. Yeah. And traffic took a huge hit. Um, what basically happened was 
Google was showing them for informational queries and Google got, probably got better at understanding when they were relevant and when they weren't relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and by having that, uh, it, it could well be that they, they didn't really have a problem. They, they got 20% increase in revenue with less traffic. Conversion yeah. rates went through the roof. Yeah, because all, all that irrelevant, tra- well, irrelevant, non-converting traffic that came to the site is, is not coming anymore. So that doesn't really exactly, matter. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And since conversion rate, that's the other part. Since conversion rate is based on traffic and conversions, mm-hmm. um, if, you, if you send an, a ton of shit traffic to it, whether it be paid or whatever, your mm-hmm. conversion rate will go down. It's all yeah. session-based. Absolutely. And if the intent of the, of the traffic is, is, is not really relevant, then you can have all the traffic and, and you'll see the conversion rate going down, but it doesn't really help you. So, I mean, well, it doesn't matter to have all that traffic if, if, if you're not selling to them anyway, because you're not relevant to them. Um, it's also one of the reasons we, I mean, we, yeah. we do CRO and uh, CRO, I hate the term because people are so focused on conversion rate, conversion rate and, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I hate it. I, I, Let's we, create a new name. Let's create I, a new name. We always call it continuous revenue optimization. Um, yeah, yeah, that's way better, way better, way better. Because it, 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 it describes what we do. At the end of the day, we just want to look at, at your revenue. If your revenue goes up, who, who cares about conversion rate? Of course, it has to be profitable. Uh, you can increase your revenue and, 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 and lose out uh, on profit. But um, I mean... Who cares if your your conversion rate goes to from two percent to five percent, but you're actually not making more money? Or if it goes from two percent to to one percent, uh, it it at the end of the day you're running a business and it's about the money you make. It's not about the conversion rate. But anyway, that's me ranting here. It's uh, no, no, it, but yeah. well, I I fully agree. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I I an even better one would be profit. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's basically profit optimization. Absolutely. But um, since just, we have a term of CRO anyway now and we're stuck with it, it's not going to go away. I thought like, okay, let's, but I fully agree. I think, I think uh, a CRO uh, as in conversion rate optimization is not uh, the right. It, it, it's basically what SEO was in the beginning. People were talking about, I want to rank, rank, rank. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, um, but rank for what? Um, right. You'd rather have the right traffic with the right intent on your on your page because you'll sell more and you'll spend less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you um, see uh, it now. Yeah, uh, yeah. You yeah, see sorry, it now no. when when you Google a hat term. You know what ranks? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Wikipedia with the explanation what it is. Yeah. Sure, it's for a reason. It's because people expect that. They don't mm-hmm. expect to buy, mm-hmm. uh, buy anything at that point. Mm-hmm. True. It's all about the intent. Um, but um, anyway, uh, one of the things I definitely want to talk to you about, um, I, I, I mean, we've known each other for many years now. And uh, one of the things that I admire about you is that you have that unique combination of, of the technical know-how, uh, also a great strategic vision and a very creative mind, uh, which is a very unique combination. And uh, every time we talk, I, I, I learn something new, uh, something unconventional, uh, sometimes even almost brilliant creative hacks or techniques. Um, uh, and, and those always stuck. So um, 
can you, like your frustration metric. Uh, you have a yeah. frustration metric that you're working with uh, in Google Analytics for Sitly. Can you tell us yeah. what it is and how it works? Well, well, well basically, um, it, it was a proof of concept uh, I tried doing because um, I truly believe that nobody should have a frustrating uh, um, experience anywhere in anywhere whether it's mm -hmm. offline or online. But uh, and offline, we can kind of see it uh, when a door opens the wrong way. Uh, when, uh, um, I don't know, just, just we bump into them every now and then. Uh, sometimes, sometimes they're easier to spot than others. Well, on a website, um, so let, let, let's do this little thing. Um, what is the most frustrating experience you ever had to go through on a website? Uh, <laughs> there's many, uh, especially being a, a conversion optimization specialist, I see a lot of things go wrong. But uh, I think like uh, checkouts usually are very frustrating, especially if it's not working and I don't get any feedback why it's not working, it's not helping me. And then I try again and again and again and I get stuck because there's no solution. They don't tell me what I should do when I'm making a mistake. I think that's exactly, one of my exactly. I, I think it, it is for me as well. So, so basically, what I started doing, I started sending uh, events whenever this happened. Okay. So whenever, uh, whenever something fails. So here's a little trick you can use. Um, so you use event tracking. You do inline validation. So when mm -hmm. somebody hops to the next field, you validate it, and you either give the green tick box or you say sorry. Um, we, uh, uh, this field can't be empty or say uh, something like um, this email address has a space in which it can't, can't have. Like mm -hmm. those kind of things um, and make them as specific as, as can be. And then what you do, you send an event saying category checkout, uh, the field name and the error. Okay. Yeah. And you send that as an event to Google Analytics. Um, but if you have a session playback tool like Hotjar, you can send the same fields to Hotjar as well. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, what, ha what happens then is you'll be able to see the, the frustrated user that encountered an error. So mm -hmm. this is one way of, of looking at it. So the next one, so I defined uh, any click uh, for any any field where there's a validation error is a frustration. Agreed? Right. Yep. Yeah. And then the next one is clicks on non-clickable elements. If people click on an element they, uh, that is unclickable, um, then that's a frustration because mm -hmm. you expect something to be there. Otherwise, you don't click. Makes sense, yeah. Um, so, uh, and the third one I did was say if there's a JavaScript error, this is slightly more difficult. If there is a, an error loading the JavaScript or executing the JavaScript in the, in the console, I send also that data back to GA as an event. And then mm -hmm. when I, what I start doing is I divide the number of events on a certain page, divide by the number of page views on that page. And then I get a frustration metric. Cool. And you do that with a calculated and metric. Exactly. I do that with the calculated metric. Um, but
But when you start thinking about this, this is way ahead. The, the reason I, I tried looking at uh, getting into this is I want to see if I can prioritize which websites, which pages or group of pages creates the most friction. Mm -hmm. Because those are the low hanging ones, low hanging fruit we should fix first. Cool. Yeah, that's a really, really good idea. Uh, and I know you have plenty of others, but we, we're going to run out of time. Um, and uh, no worries, no yeah, worries. <laughs> I, I know. I mean, we, we, we can go on uh, for hours and hours, uh, which we've done many times. Or we didn't have lunch in the past. <laughs> which we, we've done in, in, the, in the past, definitely. <laughs> um, anyway, we're, we're running out of time. And, and, and just before we go, I want to make sure that people know um, how, how they can find you and learn more about you. Um, what's the best place for people to connect with you? Well, if they Google me, I should have my own knowledge panel, which okay. is pretty uh, pretty cool. Uh, so they'll be able to find me. Yeah, Google thinks I'm a Dutch consultant. I have it in <laughs> front, and that I'm 43 years old, and I'm, I'm from from the Netherlands. So if you Google Arnold Hellemans, there'll be the um, uh, the knowledge panel with some videos that I uh, that I've done. Um, then there's my LinkedIn. Uh, I'm more than happy to connect to anybody on LinkedIn as long as they mention you and the podcast. Okay. Um, and uh, they'll find my website. They'll find my website, uh, my contact, um, my Twitter, um, like all of that. So, um, so yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah, what a better way to find an SEO expert by Googling them, of course. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for being here, Arnold. Uh, this was awesome. The E-Commerce Excellence Podcast is sponsored by Dexter.Agency. We help e-commerce business owners scientifically increase revenue without needing more traffic. Ready to discover a more reliable way to increase conversion and, more importantly, revenue? Register for our free training, The 5 Transformations That Double E-Commerce Profits, at Dexter.Agency slash webinar.